0: Once again, it's time to walk down Baker Street with its swirling fog, its passing hansom cabs, and bustling London life. Hello, this is Ben Wright, welcoming you to two more new adventures of Sherlock Holmes, starring Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. At the end of each broadcast, the announcer says, Tonight's episode was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher. Both men, although they are no longer with us, were married. Dennis Green's widow, Mary Green, lives in New York and is still active in theater and dance. In Phyllis White, Anthony Boucher's widow lives in San Francisco and makes numerous guest appearances at Mystery Club gatherings and at the meetings of the Baker Street Irregulars. Well, tonight it is my pleasure to present Phyllis White, who will tell you a little about what her husband and Dennis Green did for the Sherlock Holmes radio series. Phyllis?
3: I've been asked to give an account how it happened that my husband got involved with the Sherlock Holmes show. The way his career developed was not according to any underlying plan. Whenever he turned a corner and moved into a new field, it was brought about by chance. And this was a good example of that. He was at the time a mystery reviewer for the San Francisco Chronicle. Well, this time he went over to the book department office, got his books in his mail, and found among the mail an invitation to a cocktail party. It was in honor of Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, who had come to San Francisco to do a war bond promotion. The party was going on right then, so he could quite easily have learned about it too late. But he trotted right over, and uh, aside from meeting Rathbone and Bruce, there were other people who had come along from the radio program. There was Glen Hall Taylor, who was the producer, and there was Dennis Green, who was one of the writers. He was writing in collaboration with Leslie Charteris. Well, as it turned out, the Greens were staying on a little longer in the Bay Area. My husband invited them to come over to Berkeley and have dinner with us and see his Sherlock Holmes collection. Well, they, they went back to Hollywood, and not long after, it turned out that the program was in need of a new writer. Dennis suggested voucher. Well, it turned out that it... Uh, Mesh just beautifully as a collaboration. Here was a, a noble project working with gifted colleagues, something that they could all feel affection for and respect and a lot of fun along the way, too.
0: Thank you, Phyllis. And now, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson in Colonel Warburton's
4: Madness. Petrie Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson as he tells us about another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And you know what I wish I could share with you sometime? a bottle of Petri California Sherry. Have you ever tasted Petri Sherry? It's just perfect before dinner. Why, that Petri Sherry can change the usual before-dinner lull into a special event, and that's a fact. Just look at the clear color of Petri Sherry. It's a deep, rich amber, clear and cheerful-looking. And wait till you taste it. That's when you find out for sure just how good a wine can be. That's when you find out just what I mean when I say that The flavor of Petri Sherry comes right from the heart of the grape. Try Petri Sherry by itself, or with hors d'oeuvres or canopies or whatever you call those little cocktail sandwiches. And say, if you like your Sherry dry, well then Petri California Pale Dry Sherry is the Sherry for you. Just be sure the label says Petri, the proudest name in the history of American wines. Now let's look in on our old friend, Dr. Watson.
2: Doctor? I'm out here on the patio, Mr. Bartell. Come out and join me.
4: Quiet, Winnie. Quiet down, down, (laughs) Monty. I see the welcoming committee's here.
2: (laughs) Those little scoundrels. They begin to think they own this patio. Scoop them off the chair, Mr. Bartell, and settle yourself down. All right, off you go, boy. Off you go, go on, off you go. That's it, my boy. As a matter of fact, it's rather appropriate that the puppies should be here tonight. As in the story that I'm going to tell you, a dog played a most prominent part. A dog? What kind of a dog, Doctor? Now, now, my boy, don't get me anticipating my story. For once, I'm going to start at the beginning. Which was? On a summer morning in 1890, not long after my marriage... I'd gone back to my private practice, you know, and Sherlock Holmes was living alone in our old Baker Street rooms. You still saw him, I suppose. Indeed I did, Mr. Bartell. In fact, occasionally I even persuaded him to forego his bohemian habits so far as to visit my wife and me. But to get back to my story, I'd been exceptionally busy that summer. In consequence, was feeling rather, shall we say, nervy and and run down. So much so that Mary, oh, (laughs) Mrs. Watson, persuaded me to take a fortnight's holiday. We went down to the charming little village of Taplow, on the lower reaches of the River Thames. But, as so often happens, the best-laid schemes of mice and men gang after agley.
4: I guess the holiday backfired on you, Doctor, and you found yourself involved in a mystery? Maybe a mystery calling for the aid of your old friend, Sherlock Holmes?
2: Quite correct, Mr. Bartell. We'd only been down there a couple of days when the trouble began. In fact, the whole thing became so involved that I thought the best thing to do was to put the whole strange story... In a letter to Sherlock Holmes. This I did. And I can imagine how he chuckled
5: when he read my... Dear old Watson. Seems to be a little out of his depth. My dear Holmes, I need your help. Or at least your advice. Two days down here and I've become involved in a most unusual problem. It began this morning when Mary and I were out for an after-breakfast stroll. The sun was shining, the birds were singing, and there seemed every indication of it being a happy...
2: You know, Mary, I've always thought up to now that barmy was rather a silly word. <laughs> I still do, John, dear. Nevertheless, it's the only possible word that describes a day like this eloquently.
6: Very well, dear. It's balmy. Personally, I'm so happy to see you relaxing that I don't care what the weather's like. You've been working much too hard. Yes, yeah, it's been a busy year. Yes, and last year Sherlock Holmes monopolized most of your time. At least I got you to myself for once.
2: <laughs> you dear little thing, you. You've always been rather jealous of my association with Holmes, haven't you?
6: Not jealous, dear, but I must confess his influence on you wasn't entirely for the good. He had a habit of keeping you out all night. Well, you should be
2: used to that, dear. After all, it happens often enough in my practice.
6: True, John, but on those occasions I know where you are and don't worry about you. And again, you've copied so many of Mr. Holmes' eccentricities. Hmm? Keeping your tobacco in a Persian slipper, for instance. <laughs> and Oh, John, look down. Do you see that woman walking across the field towards us? Yes. what's the matter? Do you know her? I'm not sure, but I think it's Ellen Warburton. I believe she does live somewhere near here. And who is Ellen Warburton? An old friend of mine. She's frightfully clever and advanced. She's interested in women's suffrage and all sorts of things. Oh, sounds dreadful. Imagine
2: giving women the right to vote. Their place is in the home. It is Ellen.
3: Ellen.
6: Ellen. Ellen Warburton. Oh, how are you? Very nice to see you again. I'm Mary Watson now. This
1: is my husband.
2: How do you do, Miss Warburton?
1: How do you? How do you do? Mary, I'd heard that you'd married. Aren't you a medical detective or something, Mr. Watson? (laughs) Not
6: quite,
2: dear. Uh, I hold the degree of doctor of medicine from the University of London, madam.
6: But he's helped the great Sherlock Holmes on many of his cases. That's how I've heard of him then. Do you mind if I walk with you a little way? Of course not, Ellen. Come along. Uh, Do you live near
1: here, Miss Warburton? About four miles away, Doctor, at Chevy Ooh. Grange. I'm a glorified housekeeper for my uncle, Colonel Warburton. Oh, dear, that sounds rather dull for you. As a matter of fact, the state of my uncle's health at the present moment makes it anything but dull for me. That's why I asked if I might walk with you for a way. Well, what's the matter with him, Ellen? He's going mad before my eyes, and I can do nothing to help him.
2: Mad? Oh, come now, Mr. Warburton, sure the you Doctor,
1: should... I'm not an hysterical girl. In fact, I regard myself as something of a scientist. I studied physics for a number of years at Bristol University. And I tell you that my uncle is going insane. What are the symptoms? Most of the time, he's perfectly normal. But when these attacks are on him, he gets in the most frightful rages... and says the strangest things. He's even complained of hearing a shrill piping whistle that comes out of nowhere. I can't hear it, nor can anyone else. But uncle gets into the most dreadful state. I wonder... Would you have a look at him for me, Dr. Watson? Well, I
6: don't... Of course. course, John will do everything he can. Thank you so much.
1: Then supposing you both come over...
5: for well, My dear Holmes, at seven o'clock this evening, we found ourselves approaching Chevy Grange. It was rather a forbidding-looking place, covering a little more than an acre, I should say. As we stood waiting for admittance, I must confess that I was not entirely... Asleep. Hmm.
6: Gloomy looking place, isn't it, ma? It is a little forbidding, John, dear.
2: Oh, dear, what's that? Sounds like a tom tom. Someone singing a weird chant. Seems to be coming from the direction of that barn over there.
6: It doesn't seem quite appropriate, dear, does it? I mean, not in the heart of Buckinghamshire. Why not knock on the door again, John? Well, it's all right, I will. Perhaps they didn't hear it. Oh, oh, they did.
2: It's Dr. and Mrs. Watson, my good man. Hacker's the name, sir. Come in, please. The colonel's expecting you, sir. He's in the study. This way, sir. By the way, Hacker, as we were waiting outside the front door, we heard a strange chant, and it sounded as if someone was beating a a tom-tom. Oh, that, sir. That was Miss Narda.
0: You'll be hearing more of her
5: Let's see what happened next. This uh, very unpleasant fellow hacker showed us into the study where we met Colonel Warburton. First, it was hard to believe that he was a sick man. He looked well enough and his conversation was sprightly. Spent most of his army life in Africa as military governor in a Zulu district. And the African spears and other trophies that lined his study walls bore mute evidence to his past life. He encouraged me to tell him some of my own army experiences. Oh dear.
2: Poor fellow. Was very wrong. There I was, Colonel Warburton, on the howard of this wretched elephant. The river was a raging torrent and I couldn't get the confounded animal to budge. Well, <laughs> I'm a pretty strong swimmer, you know. i several cups of swimming, as a matter of fact. Of course, I was a much younger man then. Uh, and John, I... dear. Yes,
6: ma'am? You interrupted Colonel Warburton's story. Oh, dear.
2: sorry. I thought this little
6: incident would be interesting to him. Uh, do go on, Colonel. Your story was so interesting. You were telling us that you were intercepted by an African drum code message. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I,
7: I don't want to sound conceited, but I, I doubt if there was another Englishman in the world who could have told you what those particular drum beats meant. Oh, I don't doubt that, Colonel Wobodon. Well, I'd spent a good number of years studying the native customs. I spotted the code right away. It meant that an uprising was planned to start throughout the whole province at noon the next day. Of course, I. Uh, there it is again. A devilish whistle. Can you hear it, Dr. Watson? Mrs. Watson?
2: I can hear nothing, sir.
6: No. Nor can I.
7: Of course not. No one could hear it but me.
2: Now, 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 Colonel Warburton, don't get so excited, it's sir. It's black
7: magic, that's what it is. Oh, really, sir? Black oh, you magic. You must realize that the powers of jungle witchcraft are completely unknown in this country, Dr. Watson. But I know of them, and I can think of many people who might wish to employ them against me. Come in, come in. Oh. oh it's you, Nada.
2: Great Scott, she, she's... She's very beautiful. Nada, I
7: want you to meet some friends of Ellen's. Doctor and Mrs. Watson.
1: I am very pleased to
2: meet both of you. How do you do? How do you do, Miss, uh,
7: Miss Nada? Nada's father was a chaga One of the greatest Zulu chieftains I ever had the privilege of knowing. He did me the rare honor to swear blood brotherhood. So when the missionary sent Nada to England to complete her education, I insisted that she spend her first few months here under my wing. I Listen...
2: What is it, Colonel?
7: That whistle again. For heaven's sake, say that you heard it this time. Please say that you did.
2: I didn't hear a thing, sir. Well, I did, and I know where that sound came from. And put down that spear at once, will you, Colonel the Walton? The
7: devils are trying to kill me. I'll kill them first. No, oh, no, no, don't throw it, thread, sir. Don't throw
2: it. Someone's opening the door. Uncle! Oh, it's Ellen. Great Scott. The spear Mr. an inch. Uncle, what is it? That whistle.
7: I heard it again, Ellen. And I'm going to find where it came from. I'm...
1: Poor Uncle. Of course, you heard no sound. Nothing, Ellen. What can we do to help him,
2: Dr. Watson? Well, it's hard to say, Miss Warden. I'm sure that medical help's what she needs. Uh, He seems perfectly sane and lucid except for these strange outbursts. But we must do something. I propose to, madam. As soon as I get back to the
5: inn, I think I'll write to my old friend Sherlock Holmes and ask... I can't feel that the man should be committed to an asylum, and yet obviously when these attacks are on him, he's as mad as a hatter. Oh, well, fascinating problem, and one that calls for speedy action. I think a telegram to my friend Watson might help to terrify some aspects of the case. Yes, let see. Uh, Dr. John H. Watson, Red Lion N. Taplow, Bucks. I suggest that you ascertain
2: one important fact, does the Warburton household have a dog? Crispy, telegraph reply, Holmes. Oh, upon my soul,
6: Mary. That's a
2: cryptic answer to my
6: letter. Yes, dear, it is. I'm afraid Ellen will be disappointed. He's coming over to join us for lunch to see if you have any news. What on earth can dogs have to do with the case? I can't possibly Here's Helen now. Good morning, Ellen. Hello,
1: Mary. Good morning, Doctor. Good
6: morning, good morning.
1: I suppose it's too early to have received any reply from
2: Mr. Holmes. Well, as a matter of fact, I I just got this telegram from him. You can read it, if you like. I can't see that it makes much sense, Miss But that's
1: extraordinary. I did have a little dog. He was killed a week ago. But it
6: didn't occur to me to tell you about it yesterday. Well, oh, that's amazing. How could Mr. Holmes have known about uh, it? There's
2: very little that Holmes doesn't <laughs> know, my dear. How was your dog killed, Miss Warburton?
1: I found him in the grounds with his head smashed in by a stone. Oh, how dreadful.
2: Who do you think did it?
1: It might have been a poacher. And then again, it might have been. Your uncle? It's possible. When he's in those rages, I don't think he knows what he's doing.
2: That's very important. I think I shall go and send Holmes a telegram at once. Don't wait lunch for me.
6: Did we have to walk over to the station, John, dear?
2: To see if there was an answer at the station telegraph office to the wire that I sent Holmes.
6: Oh, but it's only 4.30, dear. It's hardly possible for him to have answered as quickly as that. In any case, they delivered the telegram to the hotel, you know.
2: Well, it was a nice walk, my dear. Hello, there's a, a train in the station now. I wonder where it's from.
6: Why don't you ask that Porter, dear?
2: That's not a bad idea. Uh, Porter, huh? what train is this? Oh, it's the London train, sir. Right on time. Next stop, Ready, not many people getting off, are
6: oh, there? Uh, Greg Scott, <laughs> look who's here. Oh, dear, it's Mr. Holmes. And he's got a dog on a leash. Oh, Watson,
5: my dear fellow, how are you? This is Watson. How nice to see you again. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Oh, I'm Holmes. I'm delighted you're here, old fellow. We walked uh, to the station to
2: see if you'd answered my telegram, and here <laughs> you are in yes. person.
5: <laughs> it occurred to me that I could be down here in the same time that it would take a telegram to reach you and I decided that a day or two in the country would make a pleasant change, apart from the fact that Colonel Warburton's problem interests me enormously. Why on earth did you bring a dog? I felt that this was a case in which a dog would be of invaluable assistance. Oh, be careful, John. Yes, look out, old Jap. I, uh, I think it would be safer not to pat him. I picked him up on the Mile End Road for a couple of florins, and I fear he's a dog that should have remained in London. A singularly unattractive nature seems to have been entirely ruined by a last train ride. What? Unpleasant brute, isn't he? By the way, Holmes, what do you make of the case from my letters? Well, I should prefer to reserve my judgment until I've met the Colonel. However, I will vouchsafe one opinion. Oh, what's that? To paraphrase a proverb, don't disbelieve all you don't hear.
2: I can't think why someone doesn't answer. They can't all be out. While we're
5: waiting, I think I'll tie the dog up to this tree here. I don't want my arrival to cause
6: too much commotion. Quiet! Quiet! Don't you think perhaps we could try the door, John? Yes, certainly. It's a good idea. Hello, hello.
5: It's unlocked. Then let's go in, old fellow. Let's go in. Colonel Warburton? Colonel Warburton? Ellen. Uh,
2: Ellen. What was the name of that that butler, Fuller? Hacker. Yes, that's it, Hacker. Uh, Hacker!
5: Hacker! We appear to be in an empty house. The dog! Oh, fool that I am, I shouldn't have left him here. Come on. Ah. We're too late. Oh,
6: the poor dog. He's been killed. Yes, poor brute.
5: Stabbed to death by one of the colonel's Spears. That proves it, Holmes. The man is mad. I think not, Watson. I think it proves that Colonel Warburton is a great deal more sane than some of the members of his household.
4: You'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a few seconds. Time for me to remind you that there's one secret every smart woman knows. Simply, good wine makes good food taste better. And by good wine, naturally, I mean Petri wine. Try a Petri wine with your dinner. If you want a wonderful red wine, try Petri California Burgundy. If you want a perfect white wine, try Petri California Sauterne. In fact, try them both. You'll agree, I'm sure, that next to your good cooking, nothing can do more for a meal than a glass of good wine. A glass of Petri wine. <laughs> ¶¶ Now back to tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure. The story of Colonel Warburton's madness. Holmes, why
2: are
5: we heading for this barn? Seems to me we should be back in the house. Why, old chap? Found the house empty. Besides, I thought I heard. Shh shh. shh, shh. What is it? Listen. It's the same sound that Mary and I heard yesterday. Once more, it's coming from the barn. Come on, Watson. But quietly. We can see through this window here. It's that Zulu girl, Nada. She's beating a drum and chanting. Who's the man with her? It's Colonel
2: Warburton. No, it isn't. Hmm? It's that servant fellow, Hacker. What in thunder is he
5: doing here? Apparently assisting and some of our uh, African mysticism. It's black magic they're dabbling with, just as the colonel said. Let's go in and catch them right hello <laughs> No, stay quiet. We'll talk to them soon enough. the moment I feel it's uh, much more urgent that we find Colonel Warburton. Come on. <laughs>
2: up and down in front of the house with Mary and his,
5: and his niece, Miss Warburton. We shouldn't have left the women alone with him, you know. The man's dangerous. I don't think the women have been in any danger, Watson. John, dear, where have you been? Oh, well, Holmes and I decided we'd
2: uh, take a little walk. It proved very interesting. Uh, Miss Warburton, uh, this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes.
1: How do you do, Mr. Holmes? I'm so glad you're here. How do you
2: do, Miss Warburton? And this is Colonel Warburton, Mr. Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, eh? I suppose you think I killed your wretched dog.
7: Well, I might have done it. When I hear that whistle, something seems to snap in my brain. I might have killed it. Why doesn't your doctor friend certify me as insane? Send me where I belong
5: before I do any worse, dammit.
1: Poor man. Isn't there anything you can do for him, Mr. Holmes?
5: I most certainly will try to, Miss Warburton. What's no, fellow? I wonder if you'll follow the colonel and give him a sedative. I'm afraid he has quite an no ordeal before mm. him. Of
1: course I will,
5: Miss Warburton, where were you when my dog was killed?
1: Down in the greenhouse. As soon as I heard the poor animal yelping, I ran up to the house.
5: I see. Mr. Holmes, you are going to be able to help the Colonel, aren't you? I'm convinced of it, Mrs. Watson. That is why I brought a dog with me from London. But now that he's dead, I... I must obtain another one before I can proceed further with the case. Now, I wonder where on earth I can find well, John. Look, look. Huh? Down by the gate, there's a little girl walking
1: with the dog. That's Sarah Entwistle, the daughter of our neighbors.
5: Sarah, eh? Oh, excuse me, will you? Just a moment. Sarah! Sarah! Oh, Sarah. Sarah, my dear. What a uh, what a pretty dog you have there. What's his name?
1: It's a her. Her name's Boojum. What's your name?
5: <laughs> Holmes. Sherlock Holmes.
1: Sherlock? <laughs> That's a
6: funny
5: name. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? Uh, look here, Sarah. Uh, here's a nice, shiny half-crown for you.
6: Why are you giving me money? Well,
5: because I love dogs, and I, I want to borrow... Um, what did you call him? Boojum. Boojum, oh, yes, yes. I want to borrow Boojum for half an hour. Why? Well, I... <laughs> I want to, uh, I want to play with her, Sarah.
4: You can play with her here. She's awfully friendly.
5: <laughs> well, you see, I, I, I really want to take her for a nice walk. Why? She's just had one. Now, look here, Sarah. It's a beautifully shiny half-crown.
6: Mommy's told me I mustn't take money from strangers. But I'm
5: not a stranger. I'm a friend of Colonel Warburton. Having trouble, Mr. Holmes? Yes, I am, Mrs. Watson. You see, I, I want to give Sarah half a crown for borrowing Boojum for a short while, but she, well, she doesn't want to do it. Sarah, does Boojum like
6: bones? <gasps> Oh, yes. Loves them. We've got a lot of bones up at the house we'd like to give her. Have they got plenty of meat on them? Plenty. She can have a wonderful feast, and then we'll bring her back in half an hour. All right. Go on, Boojum. Now, promise you'll bring her back in half an
5: hour. We promise. Yes, Sarah. And, and, and Sarah, what about the the half crown?
6: Well, I'll take it home and ask Mummy if I may keep it. Good. Goodbye. Goodbye. And take care of (laughs) Boojum. Oh, she's a sweet little girl. Mr. Holmes, you're not going to expose Bojum to any danger, are you?
5: None, Mrs. Watson, otherwise I shouldn't have borrowed her. I'm convinced that Bojum will give us the clue to what appears to be Colonel Warburton's madness. Now, let me see. We're all here. Miss Warburton, the Colonel, Miss Nada Hacker, and the dog Boojum. yes. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I propose to conduct an experiment before I conduct it, I should like to point out the chronology of the events in this case. First, Miss Nutter arrived here.
1: Mr. Holmes, you're not suggesting uh, uh, Please that...
5: let me finish, Miss Nutter. First, Miss Nutter arrived here. Second, the colonel first heard the mysterious whistle. Third, your dog was killed, Miss Warburton. Fourth, the whistling set in in dead earnest. Uh, the colonel Warburton and Miss Warburton, doesn't that pattern suggest anything to you?
1: No, I... Can't
5: say that it does, Mister Holmes. I don't see what you're driving at. Mm, what do I, Holmes? We should be more explicit. Very well, then I will. I shall uh, now conduct my experiment. I want you all to watch Colonel Warburton and the dog Boojum. Excuse me while I turn my back. Now. Oh. there it is again! That whistle!
2: <laughs>
5: the dog heard it too. Yeah. Great, Tom, Holmes! What does it mean? It means that this wooden whistle in my hand is the answer to the mystery. The sound made by this cunningly designed instrument is above the normal range of pitch. You see, the colonel has hypersensitive ears. So the dog heard it. Perhaps I should have said the normal human range of pitch. Then not you
6: suppose someone has deliberately been trying to drive the colonel mad? Of course, Mayor,
5: That's why the dogs were murdered. Whoever it was
2: knew that a dog would give the game away.
1: And it's not hard to guess who that someone is. Nada, this started when you came here. Is this your gratitude for the colonel's kindness to you? Endangering his sanity with your evil black magic? That is not true. Uh, one moment,
5: please, Miss Wobberton. Miss Nutter. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Watson and I watched you in the barn some three quarters of an hour ago with Hacker. Were you engaged in practicing any form of black magic? No,
1: no. I was praying to my old gods to save the Colonel's sanity.
2: What were you doing there, Hacker? Don't tell me you were praying to old gods too. Well, I used to be a chapel-going man, sir,
5: but I don't know. Never I've trying something new, I always say. In any case, why should Miss Nada wish to persecute the Colonel? It might be for some tribal revenge. Oh, but that's ridiculous, Alan. Her father and I were sworn blood brothers. Exactly, sir. No, it should be obvious. Who had a motive for making the Colonel appear mad? His niece and heiress. What do you mean? She has studied physics, you will remember, and so could know about supersonic research. Possibly she was afraid the Colonel might leave his estate to Miss Nada. And so wished him to appear insane and thereby invalidate, and you will. In any case, I found this whistle in a drawer in your room, Miss Warburton. Ellen! Ellen, how could you?
1: I did it for your sake, to save you from Nada.
5: She's just an adventuress, only you won't see it. General Warburton, what action do you wish me to take regarding your niece, Miss Warburton? My niece? I have no niece, Mr. Holmes.
7: Come, Nada, my dear.
5: in case, Holmes. Mary, wasn't it clever the way Holmes solved it. It was very interesting, dear. I was quite enthralled. Now I think I shall return to London and let you two finish your holiday in peace. Before you do that, Mr. Holmes, there's one thing we should do. What, Mary? Boo (laughs) jump. We promised, you know. Yes, yes, of course, of course. I think the three of us might walk her home. But before we do that, I suggest we rummage through the kitchen. The kitchen? What on earth for? Bones, dear. Exactly. And bones with plenty of meat on them.
4: Doctor, that was a swell story. And look, uh, you mean there really is a whistle that only dogs can hear?
2: I thought you'd ask me that question, so I've got one of those whistles
4: to show you. There. Well, there's nothing unusual about it.
2: Blow it, Doctor. Listen, Mr. Bartell, if if I want you to come quickly, I don't just have to whistle.
4: All I have to say is, would anybody like a glass of Petri wine? And hey, hey, Presto, there you are. (laughs) Well, can you blame me? I know a good wine when I hear it. And Petri wine sure is good wine. It ought to be. The Petri family's been making wine for generations. As you know, ever since they started the Petri business, way back in the 1800s, that business has always been family-owned and operated. So just think of all the experience the Petri family's gained. They've been able to hand on down from father to son, from father to son, all they've ever learned about the art of turning luscious California grapes into fragrant, delicious wine. So whenever you're choosing a wine, a wine to serve before dinner, with dinner, or at any time, you can't go wrong with a Petri wine, because Petri took time to bring you good wine. Oh, the Petri family took the time to bring you such good wine So when you eat and when you cook, remember Petri wine To make good food taste better, remember
7: Pet, Pet, Petri